Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football-specific podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Well, uh, we are on the other side of the uh, vortex, the yes, polar thankfully. vortex. Wow. If you're listening to this, you made it through. Congratulations. We are looking at balmy. I mean, literally 38 like, degrees and sunny tomorrow, if that actually happens. It's going to feel roughly like 65 degrees. Well, that's what I said today. I was talking to someone at the gym, and they're like, oh, at least it's getting a little better. I'm like, it is fantastic out there right now. And she's like, well, I don't know about that. I'm like, yes. It's 18 degrees. 14 degrees feels amazing right now. But the vortex is kind of like the portal. We got spit out the other side of the vortex. Yeah, fire up the portal. Got more of that coming. Um, speaking of the gym, in relation to the polar vortex, yeah, that was something that was a benefit of the polar vortex. Was that when I went to the gym, okay, mid and then post polar vortex, sure, it had almost completely wiped out the New Year's resolution people. Yeah, at the gym there was like a, it's always a good there, moment. There was like a third of the people gone. Right. It didn't even take till the end of January, so that was nice. All right, my gym was not like that at all. It was packed. That's too bad. Yeah, because one of the their other gyms had like a a pipe burst, so we had spillover from oh, that one too. Yeah. So so outside. I mean, so it was, was absolutely packed. Yeah, right. yeah, but it was still fun. Who cares? All right, so uh, same uh, structure that yep. the last couple of podcasts are at. Um, we're gonna have a couple of housekeeping items. We're yes. gonna have a couple. We don't have any one specific random thing we're gonna talk to. It's it's mostly just random housekeeping stuff we're gonna go through. Pretty right? much, yeah. Yep. And then after that, we've uh, we've done two four team post views. So now we we've got six teams left. So we're gonna do two three team post views. So the post view tonight will be Iowa, Ohio State, and Minnesota. Yep. So we got some good teams there. I don't know. That's of all course. I got, buddy. Take it away. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. Okay, let's do some housekeeping here. Start with Illinois again. Oh, no. What happened? The mayor of Liddyville has left Liddyville. Did you see that? Okay, so he's the one that came He's the one that came up with the Liddyville, which I guess is... A reference to a Meek Mills song. Apparently, this is someone that all the kids. I'm gonna be asking you. I'm not a big Meek Mill fan. Uh, yeah, I never really heard of him until the whole Liddyville thing. But running backs coach Thad Ward will be leaving Illinois. He'll be joining his former boss Rod Carey at Temple. Carey being uh, the NIU coach that moves over to Temple. He's gonna be wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator, and I think he gets a pretty big boost in salary too. Gotcha. So good for uh, Thad Ward. They're happy for him, but sad to see him go. So Liddyville. I guess there's no more. Does he take Liddyville with him? Is it like row the boat? When, well, I don't when... know if he's going to pay the university 50000 to take the, <laughs> the slogan with him. But my... Wait, is that what P.J. Fleck did when he left Western Michigan? Yeah, he paid him 50000 50 grand. Yeah, really? to keep the row the boat thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but my guess You're is... You're wearing a Liddyville shirt. And I'm wearing shirt. my Liddyville shirt in honor of it. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. But my guess is Liddyville will die with this recruiting cycle now that Thad is it, gone. I it, think. Will, it will have run its course at that Well, point. I think it pretty much has. As soon as sign, the second signing day happens, I think Liddyville is probably over. Moving on to Indiana. Hamaris Brown, defensive tackle, enters the portal and will be eligible immediately. Moving on to Iowa, grad, for, grad transfer punter, Michael Sleep Dalton <laughs> leaves we, the portal, 
portaled over from Arizona State will now be the punter for Iowa. And I mean, of it's such an Iowa thing that the first portal benefit is a punter. <laughs> I mean, I I had texted out weeks ago to my you know to my some of my Hawkeye circle. I'm like. You know the only person we're going to get in the portal is going to be the punter. That's how it's going to wind up. But. I think it would have been great. <laughs> well, I guess they wouldn't get a center or a linebacker because they've already got 25 of those. So, yeah, the punter makes sense. But I I do feel like from – this is this could be portal thought process-wide. This doesn't have to be germane to Iowa. Um, just like a free agency in, in NFL football, you can – you can plug and play a kicker or a punter. It's not like oh, absolutely they, right. It's not like they, they make differences or there's some sort of you know uh, philosophical thing you got to teach a kicker and punter. Their their job is to punt the fo- the bar yeah. the ball down the field. Yeah, th- yeah. there's not a whole lot of yeah. like fitting into the scheme. Correct. So much. <laughs> Correct. All right, moving on to Maryland. This is an Ohio State transfer linebacker Keandre Jones. Transfer. We, pr- we can probably. Limit that now. It's yeah, okay. It's fun though. Yeah. Transfers from Ohio State to Maryland. He's from originally from Good Counsel, Maryland, and was committed to Maryland when Mike Loxley was there last. Loxley left. He flipped to Ohio State, so he's kind of coming back home. And it looks like as long as he graduates, he's going to be eligible immediately. Also, they get Virginia Tech wide receiver Sean Savoy, another guy, a local guy from Maryland, and um, he's transferring from Virginia Tech to Maryland. No word on whether or not he's. Uh, immediately eligible. Moving on to Michigan, Ruben Jones, strong side defensive end, enters the portal, and from what I can tell, we'll have to sit. So that's all we got for housekeeping. Yeah, okay. That's that's the end of the, the portalness. That's, that's the nice. end of the portalness. Now, if we want to move on to a little bit of national news, yeah. I just wanted to bring this up. Not Big Ten, but... No, this is where... But we can twist this into Big Ten. My guy is Kenny Niamatololo, as you know. Oh, okay. Well, I want to do it. I want yeah, to do it. Yeah, yeah. announce this big thing. So oh. Kenny <laughs> has accepted the position of stake president for the Church of Latter Day Saints in Annapolis, Maryland, which is the equivalent of a bishop in the Catholic Church. That's insane. Totally how insane. Do you, how do you run a college football program? Here? I don't know how you do it. It's a volunteer yeah. position. I, I'm assuming it's something he's wanted to do for a long time. He's very devout in his in his Mormon faith. So, congrats to Kenny. I Good guess. job, Kenny. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't know what to say about that other than... Uh, I just wanted you, to put it out there because I love you, my Kenny. So, you, I mean, there's got to be a couple Navy football fans that are saying, hey, uh, maybe you should concentrate a little bit on your team? Yeah, looking at the record this past year, I'm not sure we need you away from the team more. Two years in a row, they got beat by Army, I believe. That's a, yeah, it's at least two. Is it three now? Okay. But they were three and nine this past season. Right. They were, that's, not, that's very unusual for a Kenny coach team. Yeah. Okay, moving on to USC. This is, again, not, not Big Ten related here. But they now have four wide receivers that have entered the transfer portal and left their program. Brew McCoy, the five-star who had just signed in December, gone. He's already enrolled at Texas. Minnesota got Trayvon Sidney. I'm sorry, Randall Grimes went to Minnesota. Trayvon Sidney is in the portal still. And another one, Josh Imator Bebe. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correct. Undecided where he'll go. But... I wanted to bring this up because we talked a little bit in the last cast about this portal and who's going to benefit and who's going to suffer. We talked about the Rutgers guy that looks like he's trying to transfer up to a better program, get a little more exposure. But I see the portal as, as most guys are going to be portaling down to a lower program, from a higher program to a lower one. 
I think that's what we've seen so far, and I expect that to continue. I hope you're right. I am more pessimistic. Okay. Um, the one thing I would say that maybe I'm a little bit more... And let's op- bring up that Penn State also had a c- incredible attrition through right. the portal. But Penn State... Uh, so Penn State and Virginia Tech have Virginia probably Tech's been the one been and two hit spot. Too. For, yep. With that being said... Um, they lead into my next part with the portal is that there have been people pulling themselves out back out of the portal to go back to the Correct. team that they've been with. So I want to see that. I, I, I want to see, I don't care whose team it is, just guys not portaling out as much and staying where they're at. And it looks like it's become more and more common for guys to go back. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in the camp of I want to see less transfers, not more. I just think yes. it's better for college football. Right. But also selfishly as an Illinois fan, I think it's going to help me more than it's going to hurt me. Still not still not convinced of that, but we'll find out. Keep believing it, buddy. Okay. All right. Moving on to the next topic, the College Football Rules Committee will meet in February to discuss possible changes to overtime rules. So I'm going to quote Steve Shaw, National Coordinator of Football Officials. He says, quote, overtime is not broken. But when you go beyond two possessions, it's too much. Agreed. And I totally agree with that. By the way, did this come about because of the kerfuffleness that happened with the NFL playoffs, or is this just kind of a coincidental? I think it's probably coincidental. I mean, there's really no comparing the two overtime systems, right? But it just seems ironic that this is hitting the scenes for college. Yeah, but obviously it was – all anybody talked about after the AFC NFC championships. Right, but the big thing there in the NFL is only one team sometimes gets a chance, which is totally BS. That's not how it agree how it's uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go no, ahead. No, that's right. So yep. the the possible proposals would be to move the starting position for each possession back 10 to 15 yards and no extra point attempts. Now they don't go into more detail there, but I think what they mean is no single point extra points. So you'd have to go for two every time. So I think that's overthinking it. I don't. I love it. Okay. What do you give me? What would be your? Because I don't think it needs to go more than a couple overtimes. I think that's plenty. These seven okay, overtime yeah, games that. are well, ridiculous. Just give, me your, give me, give me what your college overtime would look like. Okay. I, I like moving it back because I think you're already in field goal position essentially when you start at the twenty-five. So, so give me your exact yardage. I think I would go. A li- I would err towards forty over thirty-five. Okay. I want to see more like more of a true possession. And I love not going for the single extra point. I love being forced to go for two. Um, it's just it's a good football play. It's tough to score from the the three yard line. Okay, I'm close. Four okay. yard line, but keep it the same where you get each team gets a potential of two possessions with normal, either kick the PAT or go for two. Wait for the okay. wait for the third overtime until you have to go for two. Can we compromise I, I think it's silly and just to, go. I think it's silly to go for two right off the get go. Hmm. I like it. I don't. I just love being forced into winning the damn game right now. That's I, what overtime should be. I th- that's forced forced gimmickiness. Okay. Uh, with that being said, on the NFL side, I hope – I think the two are moving towards each other is kind of how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, how can you have two totally diametrically opposed well, systems I, I to like do that. I like that, though. I like that when there is a yeah. – a, 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 a definite line of demarcation between the NFL and college. Yeah, because I guess there's a I definite like that line too. Of demarcation between, um, and the, with, I like when the, the college does it better, which they do typically. Yeah. Um, with the NFL, there's only one change that needs to be made in my in my mind. Okay. You just you even if the first team that gets the ball yeah. scores a touchdown, the second team gets a possession still. That's it. 
Yeah, but I guess I guess the reason they don't do that is because it would be so easy to to still end up in a tie after 15 minutes. Well, then keep playing. I, I don't. I mean, I don't so then say. you're playing. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about a game where but 300 you, but pound you bodies are put slamming into each other. How about this? This is simple. Have that rule for the regular season. Switch to each team gets a possession in the playoffs, so you're not putting yeah, essentially I could see that. the whole thing into a coin toss. But could you imagine seeing a game that goes like seven quarters? No, no, I yeah, don't. Be too much. Seven quarters is almost the total NFL football I watched all year until the playoffs. I actually have yeah. been watching a lot of playoffs, but yeah. okay. All right, should we move on to Mizzou? Yes, okay. Let's I talk. thought that's where we're starting out with. Okay, so. now we're going to talk a little bit about Mizzou. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's heard what has happened. There was a tutor who uh, enabled 12 student athletes to cheat and you know stay eligible. The, the most prominent one was Matty Mock. That's really the only one that jumped off the page at me. I'm like, oh, Matty Mock, former quarterback, was a really good quarterback there. Um, so Mizzou identified this and self-reported from what I can tell. And they admitted fraud. And so now the NCAA has given them a one-year bowl ban and reduced scholarships. Now, let's rewind a little bit back to North Carolina, who initially... I knew that. I knew you would go right ...admitted there. fraud, but then came back and said, that was a typo. Did you know they said that? Yep. That was a typo. We didn't mean that. So UNC got no punishment because they never admitted anything and resisted... You know, every every advance by the NCAA, Mizzou does the right thing, turns themselves in, and says, get, yeah, get, we kind of screwed and up. And get slapped hard. And it, it, this was not sanctioned, as far as we can tell, by anybody in the athletic department or coaches or anything. This person was cheating to keep people eligible. That's all That's all we know. That's the only proof we have. So they get, they get slammed pretty hard here by the NCAA. How do you feel about this double standard here? Definitely a double standard. Um, when I saw... Big Kurt has gone off on North Carolina to me multiple times yeah. on on uh, conversations. Most, you know, before we ever started recording a podcast, I mean, I, that's about as fired up of a, as I've seen you get sometimes for how lackadaisical the NCAA was towards North Carolina. Well, and the, the thing that really ticks me off about the North Carolina thing is the explanation the NCAA gave and like this magic spell that everyone's put in by their explanation, which was, well, yeah, the athletes were cheating, but so were normal students, so it's okay. And people, ex- oh, yeah, they just shake their head. Yeah, well, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Other students were doing it too. What am I missing? Am I taking crazy pills? I think it's just it all gets down people to – People accept a- that explanation. Yeah, I just think it all gets down to the eventual situation where we have a college football commissioner that should Named oversee everything. Kurt. Oh, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Well, we're going to be co. I think yeah, I would hope agreed. so. Yeah. The other thing I've thought about, I cannot help. You know, I'm I'm big into analogies. Yes, you are. So when I saw that it was Missouri, that is the SEC team that is currently in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. give me. A- I know where you're going. With <laughs> okay. This. Um, okay. So first of all, obviously we are alluding to the fact that Missouri is new to the SEC. Um, of course, it would make sense that it wouldn't be one of the old tried and true SEC teams that have been in the slithery, you know, seedy well, SEC for forever. And they're probably the least SEC-ish team. Okay. I right. mean, don't you think located in Columbia, Missouri, it's right. outside the footprint or the traditional footprint? 100%. Yeah. So this was, this was my analogy that I thought about. 
Uh, we were just talking about movies before we started recording. I bet you I'm going to go out on a limb and okay. say that you've seen the movie Goodfellas oh, quite a yes. few times. The okay. best gangster movie ever made. Uh, yes, I'm including me. The Godfather. Yeah, the Godfather. It's the best one ever I made. do believe it's better than The Godfather, I too. do, too. Don't at me. Um, this is what it Bro. reminds me of. Remember towards the beginning of the movie when a 15, 16-year-old Henry Hill, yep. they, he got pinched yeah, sure. for the uh, selling the cigarettes? Yeah. And he took it like a man. Yeah. And then after they got done, they congratulated him for popping his cherry. Right. And, that, that's it. That's Missouri right here. They're, they're the 15-year-old Henry Hill. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 Um, did you see? I can't remember who. Dennis Dodd, I think, posted it. It's the 73rd time a school in the SEC has been sanctioned. <laughs> yes. And the, the, the next close was, was 15, 59. 58 or 59. 58 or 59. Yeah, but he didn't mention. I wanted to see. There's nobody with, past that. I wanted to know. I know. I wanted to know where the Big Ten was. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the that was awesome. Big 12. That was great. Um, one more thing to add to this is. When Missouri got sanctioned, I hope somewhere, somehow, Pat Forty just was mad. I hope he was just like his seething mad. Oh, he Missouri. is because he's he's a, a total fanboy. He is a fanboy. Yeah, he doesn't even remotely try to hide his hate, hatred for the Big Ten. No, nope. and several like he hates Illinois. He oh, hates yeah, Iowa. Course. He hates Nebraska. He hates all the teams that are. Somewhere around Columbia, I think. I don't know. And he's he's kind of just a snarky, negative guy in general. Every article he writes, every report he gives, it is it is wrapped around negativity. Yeah. His desire is to find something horrible to report on a team. Yeah. I and it doesn't so. have to be the Big Ten in that case. He just loves it, it, it it's it's always a negative slant. I yeah. hate people like that, and he's one of those people. He's a negative Nancy. He is. All right. That's all we got for the for the rest of the housekeeping for the the off topic topics. All right. So that will get us into our our three post views. So first up, these are. Not completely uh, selected random, right. but but somewhat random. So we we have balanced out Big Ten West and Big Ten East mm-hmm. uh, teams in the previous two podcasts. So for this one, it will be two Big Ten West teams, one Big Ten East team. The next one will have two Big Ten East teams, one Big Ten Makes West. Sense. So first up, we have got the Iowa Hawkeyes. All right. And before I get started on that, I should say in the Big Curtain Jeffrey the Green yep. contest, you are up 4-2 to 1. Four, two, and one. All Four, right. Four, two, and one. Nice, nice, healthy lead there. All right. So preseason, Jeffrey the Greek had, I had him at seven and two in conference, nine and three overall. Big Kurt had Iowa at seven and two in the conference, nine and three overall. So we're pushed. All four, right. two, and two. Now Iowa wound up five and four overall, eight and four, or five and four in the Big Ten, eight and four overall, nine and four with the bull win. I started out with Illinois. Go ahead. Just when you look back on this on the season, what's what's the thing okay. that pops into your head? So I thought about this season, and I thought about what people like to say about Iowa, specifically about Kirk Ferentz and seasons past. And I get a lot of people, and most of them are not college football diehards, but they say, "Oh, Kirk Ferentz, he's such an overrated coach." They finish seven and five or eight and four every year, and I kind of say, "Well, you know." They don't have a huge recruiting base right there in Iowa. I think he gets kind of a lot out of this program. However, 
I think this year Kirk Ferentz underachieved. I think he had a team that had potential of going maybe as good as ten and two, and 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 I circled two games specifically. It's one thing to lose at Penn State, you know. Uh, uh, what's his name had had a horrible a couple horrible decisions Stanley. in that game, Stanley. But then to lose at Purdue and versus Northwestern, two teams that I think you were were much better than. That's to me. That's where their season went downhill. No right doubt there. Um, it's weird to look back on the season and figure out how am I supposed to feel as an Iowa fan yeah. about the season. I would think, you know, everybody kind of feels that way where. You can't sit there and say at nine and four with a bull win that it was an awful season. No, certainly not. But there was a time after the Northern Iowa game, Iowa State Northern Iowa game, even after the loss to Wisconsin, then there yep. was two wins right after that. And that was an early the- loss to Wisconsin when they weren't nearly as beat up as they Correct. would become. So Correct. that was still a really solid loss yep. if there's a such thing. Yep. Um, at that point, you know, once Iowa got into the five and one and six and one mm-hmm. area, I remember asking you, like, is it OK that I get my hopes up? Because what I am seeing on the TV screen and on the field is a very good football team. I fully expect us to finish this year 10 and two or 11 and one. And I'm sure I agreed with you at that point. You I almost picked Iowa to win the West preseason. I was I was very close to doing that and and backed off it and went with Wisconsin, um, but and and I, I I agree that so so what we've done with the schedule of each team is to look back and say what was one or two low points and what yeah. was one or two high points. Um, I'll be I, I might be I would love to know Iowa fans' thought process. I I don't mm-hmm. represent every single one. The low point to me was not Wisconsin. Because no, not at all. Because I remember thinking we're still not out of it for the Big Ten West. I think we can get back yep. into it. We, I know we should have won that game. There was, it all came down to just special team and random. Yeah, they kind of why they lost that. They kind of lost it. Um, but but Iowa responded back after that. I was Absolutely. I was nervous about that game beating Iowa twice, but then they won the next week at Minnesota, at Indiana, Maryland. They're sitting at six one. They had regained. The season at that Do you know point. where my high point of the season was? What? The Maryland game. Interesting. The way they just beat hell out of Maryland. Yeah. I, I don't remember what it was, like 117 yards they gave up in that game. Okay. I yeah. mean, that's when I said, okay, I should have picked Iowa to, to win the West because I think they're going to win the West. Right. And I think a lot of people assumed at that point that Iowa would win the West. Yep. Um, so I actually have the low point to me is Penn State. When they lost that game, hmm. when they were up 15 to nothing in that game, Stanley overthrew a <laughs> wide open yeah. TJ Hawkinson that would have basically put the game away. Yeah. And I feel like the stink of Penn State washed it over the team. Bled into the next couple it of games. It yeah. did. And it was still a somewhat young team in in skilled position uh spots mm-hmm. that and then the next game they lose at Purdue, and then the next game they lose the the, the most frustrating game of the year. Was Northwestern. Well, so I think that's home. probably your low point right there is the Northwestern. It's a, gotta, and unfortunately, I have them both. It is a tie between Penn State and Northwestern. And and it's not an insult to Northwestern by any means, but I, you know, they obviously lost the West pretty much that day, right? And they had them at home. And again, I feel like it's a team that they were better than they should have won that game. Correct. So it is just a interesting, you know, case of 
expectations preseason, expectations middle of the season, yeah. reality postseason. Yeah. It was an odd year. It was not a year to be happy with when Iowa fans rank the their most favorite Iowa seasons of all time. I don't even know if this makes the top ten. It just it was not what it could have been, and it will always. Because right now, I I can't help but shake the feeling when we uh, when Iowa lost four underclassmen to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Not to count the other two or three guys that might be able to make NFL rosters that graduated. Yep. If you have enough talent to have definitely four, if not five, six, or seven guys make NFL rosters off this team, you should have done better than well, so that. Well, so, yeah, that goes back to kind of my original point. You have this dominant defensive line, right? truly one of the best D-lines in the country. You've got Nate Stanley, you know, big arm. You've got the two best tight ends in the country on the same team. I feel like they just kind of missed their opportunity this year. And not that there's no opportunity left out there, but this was a huge opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I think the roster kind of spiked up this year. Don't you agree? Yeah, definitely. As far as the highlights, I'm I'm actually kind of curious to see what you had for the highlight wins of the year. Uh, So I I had mentioned Maryland. That, to me, is the highlight. But I want to know, where do you put Nebraska? Um, I honestly think that Mississippi State in the bowl game was great. Okay, it, so it, I wasn't even including the bowl game. I was just looking at regular season. I, I include all. I would say it was a combination of either Iowa State or Nebraska because with Iowa State, it's always great sure. to beat a rival, and and they're good. You know, they've been good yeah, the of past course. two years. Uh, with Nebraska, Nebraska was obviously playing a lot better at the end of the year. Oh yeah. With the Nebraska win, it wasn't so much that the win itself, when you compare records, was huge. But my God, that loss would have been awful had it would have Iowa been. lost to Nebraska. So in that turn, it makes it a big win. So then you finish eight and four, and it's like, okay, you at least slowed the bleeding down at that point. Yep. And to beat what I think was the best defense in all of college football this past year in Mississippi yeah, State, they probably were game, right. Like. There was no way I was going to run the ball right. that day. And I yep. saw, by the way, I saw Senior Bowl reports. Uh-huh. The one, uh, I, Jeffrey, I think it's Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle. Yeah, from Mississippi. The, the woman they, beater. They, oh, really? Oh, he was, he's, there's video of him just pummeling a woman in the face while she's lying on the back on her, on the ground. Oh, wow. Right. That was well, anyways, whoever the Mississippi. That, that was as a recruit. Guess what his punishment was? He had to sit out one game versus Sisters of the Poor. It just means more. It just means morons. Um, but um, uh, anyways, long story short, the I think it was him, the Mississippi State, they took him out of uh, uh, practices during the Senior Bowl because he was literally dominating people. Oh, my Lord. That bad. He <laughs> wow. Was, he was that good. So Jeez. anyways, long story short, there was no way I was going to run in the bowl game, but they still found out a way to get the ball to the receivers. And I don't know. I think that was a that was a good win. I can understand that being – being uh, a highlight. Um, Where do you put the Illinois game? Honestly, I mean, <laughs> it's it was a, it was nice. I tell you, I mean, oh yeah, I would think so. As comparison to the Nebraska game, I, there was a thought process in my mind: like, how bad has this tumble been? If, sure. If I mean, if Iowa would have lost <laughs> to Illinois, oh, freaking, the wheels would have come off at that point. So, so back to your Nebraska one. If if they had lost to Nebraska, that would have been. Uh, four out of the last five games they would have lost. Correct. So that that's kind of when and you had to win. And then you're getting into, I mean, if you look at it from, I think people forget, but if you, every now and then, right, put yourself in the shoes of a head coach, I guarantee before the Illinois game 
and before the Nebraska uh-huh. game, the Iowa coaching staff was uh, they, they were taking their job seriously at that point because they realized how much heat they would have been under had they lost either one of those games. Well, I only watched the first quarter of that Illinois game, but it looked like they were taking their job seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Of course, the Big Ten champion Ohio State Buckeyes. Jeffrey the Greek had them at seven and two in the Big Ten, ten and two hmm. overall. Big Kurt had them at eight and one in the Big Ten, eleven and one overall. Nailed they finished it. eight and one in the Big Ten, eleven and one overall. So Big Kurt takes a big five two to two wow. lead. That's almost it's, insurmountable, I think. It might be. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, uh, Ohio State got. You know, I don't know. Screwed over uh, to getting in the college football playoffs, oh, they so they finished did. at twelve and one overall with the Rose Bowl win over Washington. Um, there's a lot of my friend thirteen one. Excuse me, they won the Big Ten Big Ten championship. championship. Um, as far as <laughs> when you, as far as the low point of the season, I mean, it kind of pretty much obviously goes Purdue. Without, yeah, Purdue. But game. I mean, it, you kind of you you predicted the Purdue game. Not that everyone thought, well, they're going to get beat by Purdue, but you could see what was happening. They kept, the defense kept progressively giving up these huge plays, not improving, and they got, you know, they got bit by it finally when they, they faced a really good offense. Because it was an emotionally charged night. Yeah, it was the Tyler Trent, Trent night. Um, you got to see those things coming a little bit. Um, probably the highlight of my – podcasting season was, was I, calling it that must, ahead yeah. of time. I, I'll never forget the <laughs> smile on your face. <laughs> I was so excited to record that. I know time. you were. Um, but also because I put a nice amount of money you on did. the money line, and it was it was good. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, but to a certain degree, when you look back on that game, yep. isn't that college football? I mean, those games happen, especially when you're playing in what I believe is a – still underrated conference in the Big Ten. Yep. N- not to, like, give Ohio State a pass on this, but is it, was it the most surprising thing in the world? I don't I don't. Really no, it wasn't so. the most surprising thing in the world, and that is what makes college football great is that occasionally a team like Purdue can, can sneak up on a team like Ohio State, a juggernaut, and get them, especially in the regular season. Yep. Um, and it's a big deal when it happens, by the way. Um, I think one win for Purdue over Ohio State is worth 10 wins for Ohio State over Purdue. It's something like that, like a 9-to-1 yeah. ratio. Yeah, like, you, you, like if you're a Purdue fan, you can ride that out for the next decade. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. Um, as far as the other side of the ledger for positivity with Ohio State, um, I mean, we've got 13 wins to pick from for them. Um, we haven't is, even but, – but seriously, Dwayne Haskins was – Insane this year. Do you think it's the best season ever by a Big Ten quarterback? It is in the team picture. I mean, better not. than Drew Brees ever had, let's say. Definitely better than Drew Brees ever. I mean, statistically speaking, touchdowns, yards, sure, yes, statistically, it is. Sure, statistically, but I'm saying, if all things included, you think it's the best season ever by a Big Ten quarterback. We might have to. We should go down. We should yeah. do a, a little segment Because on that. basically you are factoring in. The whole, you know, I mean, what, what a quarterback always gets uh, compared to, like, in the in the NFL, until you win a Super Bowl. So you could have a statistically pretty right. good year, but if you win the Super Bowl, sure. everybody's going to look back in it. They did win the Big Ten Championship. They won the Rose Bowl, so it's definitely up there. They didn't get a chance. He didn't get a chance to play 
in the playoffs. But I, I would just like to say right now, I think Ohio State would have done just as good, if not better, in the college football playoff versus Alabama and Clemson than either Notre Dame and Oklahoma. Yeah, I think they would have too. I, I, the, the fact that – and I might have forgotten to say this. The fact that Ohio State wound up 12-1 and and looked as good as they had all year long at the end of the year – and the fact that they, they certainly f- did, yeah. Don't, I mean, just I, I would assume. By the way, the highlight of the year for them was murdering Michigan. No doubt. I, I mean, I don't think there's any conversation. Unless there. I mean, maybe some of them would say the Rose Bowl, but I doubt it. No, um, it was Michigan. It was a Michigan game. Um, the fact that Ohio State wound up behind Georgia in the final college football playoff rankings is bullshit. Of course it is. It's complete bullshit. And, you know, we, we already did this episode, but the, the eye test is just so flawed. And so, I mean, it goes against... But I don't know if we talked enough on how much Ohio State got job there. It, it just goes against the, the literal spirit of sports. You play the game, and whoever wins goes, that seems, like, advances. It's pretty like, elementary, right? Yeah. I'm just... Yeah, they, and they only lost one game where George lost two. Right. So I wanted to bring up Nick Bosa. What could have happened with this team if Nick Bosa had never gotten injured? They weren't exactly setting the house on fire at the beginning of the year either. They weren't really. Right from the start, they gave up 31 points to Oregon State. Yep. I do think he would have made a difference. He would have. Yeah. Because as you mentioned, they were starting to gel a little bit, and I think that would have helped even more. Because it could have created two vacuums. One, his talent that they weren't able to use on the field. And number two, leadership and just the overall psyche of the team when you pull a guy off like that. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we've gotten, I don't know how many minutes into talking to Ohio State. Oh, by the way, Urban was uh, suspended for the first three weeks. Yeah, I guess of the we year. should bring that up. Um, for them to get That's through true. that. They, they kind of just weather that storm and, it, you know, they didn't, didn't miss a beat, really. Unless it was still a storm that had kind of was still running its course a little bit mm. by the time they went into West Lafayette. Maybe that was part of the deal. A little I don't bit. know. I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. Um, but what a impromptu job interview for, for Ryan. Day. Oh boy. That's yeah. incredible. And Good for him. For, for real. I mean, I don't think another, uh, again, every now and then put yourself in the position of a starting quarterback or a head coach. He had no idea as of early August that he was going to be running the sure. Ohio State yeah. Buckeye football I mean, program. Like literally by, one by, of the most prominent right. positions you can have in college football. A top, you know, four I mean, or five. Have you ever spent time thinking about that from his point it of view? It is kind of crazy. It, and he it, did great. Yeah, he did beyond great. I mean, he was as great as... He was as amazing his, in those press conferences. I remember looking Loved at him, him like, in the press yeah. conference. But I mean, his performance on the field was as good as his hairline. Ooh. You got good hairline. You, you oh, are like you kidding me? No, it's good. You're still the line may be okay, but I'm thinning so bad here. Big Kurt's uh, uh, birthday got coming up here. So. Yeah, on Wednesday, the sixth signing yep. day. It's oh, always well, right I mean, around. It's always right around signing day. Yeah, it's always kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I okay. wonder if that's why I like uh, recruiting so much. Yeah. It was like always, you know, within right a couple days of my birthday, I'd see where where the line I stacked up. There you go. It's like a birthday present for yeah. him. Um, or not. Yeah, anyways, I don't know. That's Ohio State this year. I I know that the goal, um, if you are the Ohio State Buckeyes, is to win the national championship or at least get a chance to play in the college football playoffs. With that being said, the uh, 
expectations and the thought process that everybody puts on the college football playoffs these days, that that's the only way that you can wind up having a successful yeah, year. Yeah, that's and one of the main reasons I just don't like this playoff. Correct. Yeah. If you finish the year 13-1, and one, one. you won the Big Ten, you won the Rose Bowl, by gosh, that is a fantastic year. It's a damn good year, regardless of expectations. And I think we should point out that it, the, the committee, whom I don't like, has made it very clear that it's okay to lose games as long as you don't lose them by a lot. Right. You can lose multiple games, in fact. Just don't lose one game by a lot of points. That that's, seems to be the theme there. So uh, all you coaches out there, you can lose. It's okay. Just don't get blown out. All right. So that gets us through our first two teams. Next up, third team and final team in our post views here are the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Jeffrey the Greek had them at a pessimistic one and eight in the Big Ten, three and nine overall. Big Kurt, equally pessimistic. Yes. One and eight in the Big Ten, three and nine overall. So we push. We're at five, two, and three now. Yes. Uh, they, I'm, I can't lose now. No. At best, yeah. we you, can. You've, you've, okay. Yeah. Jeez, you, you, do you have to do the math and ruin it? But, <laughs> I yeah, just did it. You did. Um, uh, yeah. So Minnesota wound up three and six in the Big Ten, six and six overall, and then uh, finished seven six with a big bowl win. Over Georgia Tech, take it away. What's okay. the first kind of thoughts? My first thought is: Do you think Boat Boy set us up preseason? I mean, I know the roster wasn't great, but remember the concession speech he gave to to kick off the season at the I Big forgot, Ten. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know, don't, don't be expecting too much this year. I think he lowered the bar, which, by the way, this is something I do at work all the time. I lower the bar really <laughs> oh. low, so everyone's not expecting anything from my, me. So my line I do, is I try to lower the bar, the bar so low that I can roll over it. Yeah, that's that's what I do. So I think he might have been doing that. Or because did he really think it at the time, and he outdid even his own expectations on how Minnesota wound up this year? It's possible. But you look at their roster, and I know they had a couple key injuries, but – you know, you had some really damn good receivers out there. He had a couple pretty solid quarterbacks. Yeah, Bateman was amazing. Um, as far as the the low point, I, I got I got two sure. that I think would probably tie. The low point, yeah, I kind of got a, a tie as well. Okay, go Maryland on. and Illinois. You got Maryland and Illinois. Okay. Oh, yeah, they got just smoked at Maryland. See, I felt like with Maryland, they weren't yet expecting much at the time. Well, well, they just got they. I mean, they just got done beating Fresno State and Miami Ohio, but sure. But losing at Maryland, I don't know. That one went a little bit under okay. the radar. They lost me. really badly. It was ugly. For me, I felt like the two losses that it felt from my buddies because we obviously live mm-hmm. in Minnesota, and then from Gopher Twitter was at Nebraska and at Illinois. I felt like those were the ones that really ticked them off the most i suppose nebraska because at that point they probably hadn't won a game right was that their first win yeah which is crazy when you think about this minnesota started the year out three and zero, and if you can remember fresno state was a was a huge win i mean that was oh, a yeah. gigantic win. very fresno good state very good up ranked so they they started the year three and zero. then they went four losses yep. straight to they were at three and four at that time at that point our prediction of them being one and eight in the big ten Looked like it was going to happen. I'll be honest with you. When they lost to Nebraska, I thought, okay, that's it. Season's over. They're not going to win another game. Um, th- yeah, and because that was their fourth loss in a row. And I remember, I'm pretty sure I actually lost some money on that game because I thought hmm. they would get beat by in- Indiana, 
which is the next game. You could make an argument that I know which game I'm going to pick for the biggest win of the year. It's a no-brainer. But sure. you could make an argument that the, the biggest win of the year is, we'll just say, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. The most impactful win of the year was Indiana. Yeah, probably. Because they pulled because them out of the tailspin. That's when you realize that, okay, this team actually isn't that bad. They're actually pretty competitive. And I – so I lost a lot of money on the Indiana game. I was sure Indiana was going to come up here to Minneapolis and win that game. But in in that stretch of games, um, as far as their what they were giving up, they had given up 42 points to Maryland, mm-hmm. 40, 48 points to Iowa, 30 points to Ohio State, 53 points yep. to Nebraska, 31 points mm-hmm. in a win versus a win. Indiana, and then they gave up 55 points in a loss to Illinois. And it really should have been more. Oh yeah, Illinois could. Uh, they almost. Then all of a sudden, that's enough. Bolt Boy had rode down the stream as far as he could with that defensive coordinator. Boom, makes a a a, a switch. So and then good, all of a sudden, good thing to bring that up. That's the obvious turning point in the season, right? When Minnesota fans point at this season, there is two things that they point to: yeah. the axe, the defensive coordinator yeah. switch. I mean, I mean th- it, those are the two biggest the biggest positives to pull out of this year. There was a definite demarcation line. As soon as they fired that defensive coordinator, Rob Smith, and, and promoted uh, Joe Rossi, different defense. So I was, I was going to say, so I went over the you know, 42, 40, 53, 38, 55. Yep. The last three games or four games of the year, they gave up 10 points, 14 points, 15 points, and 10 points. Wow. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. That is as dramatic of a change on either an old coordinator or defensive coordinator than maybe I can even remember. Yeah, and, and and if you go down their defensive, like individually the personnel, their defense isn't that, I mean, athletically not that bad. It was, it was. They were fine. They should, but they weren't. Cashman was great. I mean, they had, they had What players. I'm saying is they weren't as bad as, as they, Inter- you know. Okay, so the take was they should have never been as bad they as they never were been when they bad. were down, going down the street. No way. Yeah. No way. God, I would. It, it, I would love to be a fly on the wall of any college football season with something like this that happens. Like, was P.J. Fleck talking to the athletic director weeks in advance about his defensive coordinator? Like, I'm going to give him another week. I'm going to give him two more. Yeah, I'd be curious about I that, mean, too. Obviously, he has those thoughts. When right. they're in the middle of a, sec- a second-two-game sure. losing streak, three-game losing streak. Yep. Four game, their offense is looking okay, but their defense looks atrocious. He's obviously thinking it. Does he have questions? Does he have a conversation with his defense card? Like, buddy, you better pull. Yeah, shit that'd be together. interesting, wouldn't it? Oh, that happens. That's oh, I'm big, sure, but I, 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 that's I would love to know that kind of stuff. That's yeah. that's a good point. It would be great to be a fly on the wall there. Um, we, if you're a Wisconsin fan, turn the turn the podcast off <laughs> at this point. Um, but but. I have, never, I have never seen a fan base come out of their cocoon like Minnesota fans came out after, after they beat Wisconsin. Well, I was texting some of my gopher buddies like, like it was pretty much over by the middle of the fourth quarter, and they yep. still wouldn't believe it. You know, I don't blame them. And and I'm like, I don't it's, blame them. It's over. You're you're going. And they and, the, and they would text back, "Don't jinx us! Don't jinx us!" I'm like, I don't. I'd have I don't been have doing the same thing. Power. I don't have jinxing power. I don't. I'm not a fan of Minnesota or Wisconsin, so I can't. I don't. I don't generate that type of, of yeah. deal. Um, 
it was surreal almost to a certain degree <laughs> watching watching that game and then reactions from from some of our buddies. I mean it kind of was it's just amazing that that hadn't happened in 14 years I mean when you think about like like people are in college there's 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 freshmen in college that have you that don't have, have rec- no recollection you have no recollection of when you're 3 or 4 years old and Oh they, my they, lord and it's crazy it's it's now what's crazy and I suppose we talk more about this in the off season it is now sprung to life this whole different uh, uh gopher fans that have become beat their chest proud over over the gopher and i don't mean to well, say that in a circuit. i don't I, mean, I, I agree i don't mean that in a, i'm just saying i've lived in this area for for almost 20 years now and i've tried to talk college football 420 times yeah and most people just like eh, i'm now, a gopher fan but i don't want to talk about right. it right now yeah. they're they can't wait to talk about it. Well, and it's I heard, uh, apparently, on Twitter, PJ Fleck posted they had an elite workout today. So I don't know if that stems from that win or not. Definitely. Not. And, and and another big win was the bowl game. Um, if you can remember, <laughs> oh, yeah. they had, we didn't know how many players would be out defensively. Right. That was what scared me away from that game was was I just didn't know who was playing sure. in the game. It was Paul Johnston's going away party. Georgia Tech was favored by like almost a touchdown. I believe yeah. it was like five and a half points. Minnesota murdered them. They absolutely did. They murdered them out front. Absolutely. Front. They couldn't do any. They could not move the ball at all on the ground. They made that Which pretty means darn good ACC team look like like a mid-level MAC team mm-hmm. in that game. So Well, they were definitely peaking by the end of the year. Well, all right. That gets us through the three-team pod. Anything you want to add there, Big Kurt? No, just enjoy the second signing day on Wednesday, February the 6th. And we'll probably have a post We're going to do a recruiting part two episode for sure. Um, You can follow me on Twitter. I am Jeffrey the Greek, at Jeffrey the Greek. And I'm Big Kurt, at B1GKURT. Very easy to forward the pod around, whether it's through a text message or through Twitter. We very much appreciate the help when you do that, and we very much appreciate you listening to the podcast. Share, baby, share. All right, thanks, everybody.